0: This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.
1: The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. What will you choose? No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participate in restaurants 18+. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone.
2: Hello and welcome to the Real EFL League One podcast, the podcast where we take a look at all the wonderful action that England's third tier has to offer each weekend. Game week five just took place and there were some huge talking points for us to dissect, including Wigan's first defeat of the season, a toothless Cheltenham town, Blackpool's questionable style of play, Derby County's ruthless attack and much, much more. So let's get straight into it. I'm Adam Scully and I hope you all enjoy this episode. If you do, please leave us a five-star rating on the podcast platform of your choice. We've seen an upturn in new rating, so it would be much appreciated if you could drop us a nice little five-star score to help us grow, especially if you're a Cheltenham Town fan, because I have a feeling your team won't be doing much scoring this season. So take some initiative. Now, without further ado, let's get into the action. And of course, I won't be on my own to delve through all the weekend's events. I'm joined today by Johnny Hunt, a self-professed Reading fan and a man living on the wonderful Island of Ireland, like me, Johnny. How are we?
0: Good afternoon. How are we? I'm good. Well, I'm good living in Ireland, not so good football front.
2: <laughs> the football is awful here, but I still go and I still love it. And I'm also joined by the founder of the real EFL, it's Gary Hutchinson. Gary, how are we?
1: I am tickety boo. Uh, 10 points for my team from the first five games. Promotion <laughs> candidates, two, three, no wins.
2: Amazing, but we will be starting today with. Wigan nil, Barnsley 2. A shock, a shock result, really. Barnsley were on some pretty poor form lately. They haven't won a game since the opening game week when they thrashed Port Vale 7-0. Then they went away to unbeaten Wigan, who were the most informed team in the League 1 this season. They were top of the league on a technicality. Obviously, they weren't because of the minus 8, but they clawed it back. They had the most points in League 1 prior to game week 5. And then they fell 2-0. The biggest talking point of the game, though, of course, was the early red card. Gary, I've seen one angle about 40 times and I'm still unsure of whether it was a red card. Charlie Hughes, of course, last man. A lot of Wigan fans, I suppose, as you would, being a Wigan fan, were quite upset over the red card. They believed he got the ball. It's completely inconclusive I mean like I've seen the angle so many times It's just one angle though I still don't know if he did get the ball what are your thoughts on that
1: um for me you know 70% of the time it's given 30% of the time it's not if that happens against you yeah. you are screaming at the referee for not pulling out the red card if it happens you know if it, if, it, if it happens in your favor you're screaming out of him for doing it so um but there is zero doubt it changed the game now I watched um Charlie Hughes before the goal and I thought he was in for a torrid afternoon because he was outstripped for pace just not long before that um so it might have saved him a little bit of embarrassment to be honest because uh, Barnsley looked really lively and given how they have looked i mean i watched their oxford game um like from last weekend obviously that was one that i covered and i i thought they looked shot shy I'll be careful when I say that because you can get it tongue twisted. I thought they looked shot shy. I thought they looked a little bit stale in attack. I thought they looked a little bit one dimensional. And um, Against 10 men, it's easy to look a little bit more impressive. But after the goal, it was, after the red card, I beg your pardon, it was all Barnsley. Up until the red card, we're going to show nothing either. So it was a bad afternoon for Latics. They've had a really good start to the season. Um, you say it's a shock. It was a shock on the balance of the first five games. But if you had given me this result, uh, the day that we kicked off, you would have gone, yeah, yeah, that's that's probably as expected. So, mm-hmm. um, And it's one of the few games where the XG was spot on because it's two two 2.04 for Barnsley, Lisa, <laughs> so they deserve two goals and 0.47 for Wigan. So for me, if it's under 0.5, they don't deserve a goal. So XG mm-hmm. actually right in this game. Yeah, it just went all true to form, I think.
2: Speaking of XG, actually, there is a game further down the line, I won't spoil it yet, where the XG I have written down was 2.00 and it was... Perfect. And they had scored two goals. So there's a spoiler, but it was so I'll I'll get to that. My little nerd mind freaked out last night, but I agree with you. I actually thought Wigan looked awful at the start of the game. And then, I mean, it it wasn't the first time that it wasn't the first time that, that Bransley had gone through on goal. There was a couple of counterattacks that Wigan really didn't deal well with. And then of course, in the end, Charlie Hughes takes down his man, whether he got the ball or not is another question. It's a red card. Five minutes after then, Devante Cole, former Wigan man, scores his fifth goal of the season. He's taken seven shots this season and scored five, 71% conversion rate, which is incredibly impressive. Just a wonderful win for Barnsley. I mean, on the balance of play again, Wigan had nine shots to, to Barnsley's 19, although Wigan had more of the ball. They had 54% possession, but only one shot on target, which is not great. Of course, playing with playing for the guts of an 70 minutes with with. with Ten men is always going to be difficult, but I think I think it was a deserved win. Barnsley have won two games this season, and both have been really impressive. Like <laughs> genuinely, obviously, the first game, which I'm sure poor fail Vans will not want me to bring up anymore. So I, I'll, I'll try my best not to for at least ten minutes, and then of course they won against Wigan. So what a result that is for the top for the for Neil Collins' men, I should say. We will move on now, though, to one of the best games, entertainment-wise, at least of the weekend. Peterborough United two, Derby County four. Johnny, Peterborough United started the game reasonably well. I mean, they took the lead, and then by half time it was four one Derby. Martin Waghorn got a hat trick, and it was a wonderful hat trick. I think he scored two with his left foot, one his right foot. Really impressive, really impressive uh, hat trick and an incredible performance by him. Talked me through the game and and what went wrong for 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 Peterborough after the. The first goal, I mean, 1-0 up and then bang, 4-1 yeah. within, I think it was 16 minutes, four goals shipped.
0: Yeah, yeah, and four, and four shots on target for those goals. Like, you know, that, that's, that's clinical finishing at its best, isn't it? But, like, the interesting thing is up to this game, Peterborough had only let in two goals through the, through the season so far. And, what you know, they started off well, they were dominant in the game. Um, Derby then changed slightly, Martin Wachow and dropped a little bit mm-hmm. deeper. And that kind of gave them that link that then just turned the game on its head. And, you know, if you kind of look back to the Sheffield Wednesday game last season in the playoffs, where all of a sudden, you know, we're in Peterborough's heads, one goal goes in, two goes in. And then it's like, bang, halftime. And it's like, how we got here. And I think Bruce um, Ferguson got sent off in the second half. I heard his assistant talking and it was like, you know, they were just much more clinical than we were took their chances and when you you know, against a side like Derby, you, you know, have recruited again well this week. Um, the ex red Andy Tyrus Fawn has come in and, you know, mm-hmm. they've, they've got a strong squad. And I think at the start of the season when we were talking on here that they didn't have a goal scorer. They were looking at that goal scorer might be a problem for him. Waghorn's just proven what he, a proven goal scorer does in this league and at that level. And, and that, that's, you know, um, you know, he's had his injuries and he's been around a while, but you give the guy the service and, you know, Against a strong Peterhead team, that's that's yeah, you know, that's brilliant, brilliant play.
2: I agree, and David McGoldrick scored, I believe, twenty-five goals in all competitions last season for Derby, and he was incredible. Of course, one of the nominees for League One Player of the Season, a Player of the Year shirt, sorry, I should say. But I was worried when he went to, or when he when he went down to League Two, because Derby didn't really replace his goals. They seemed to sign a lot of centre forwards, none that remotely came close to his goal-scoring record, Connor Washington. They had James Collins, who yeah. I've watched a lot as a Republic of Ireland international, that he is. I was never impressed with him for Ireland. And I don't, don't think he's a great centre forward. I think he's an okay centre forward. He's certainly not someone, in my view, that will get you 25-plus goals a season. But Martin Radcorn now is, is joint-top goal-scorer in the league. He scored five in his last three games and in, uh, absolutely incredible run of form. And Derby County are picking up some great points. as is two on the, on the bounce now. What I will say is, one of my favourite stats this week, this is Derby County's first win at London Road since January 2010. Robbie Savage played in midfield that game for Derby. <laughs> that's how that's how far back we're talking. The same season that Jose Mourinho's Inter won the treble as well. That's how far back. Unbelievable. And also the other talking point then, as you mentioned, Johnny, was Darren Ferguson getting sent off. It was quite bizarre. He was mouthing off at the... I think it was the fourth official, or he was just shouting at the referee. Referee came over, warned him, cautioned him, gave him a yellow. Then he stood still and didn't say anything. His assistant went over to the fourth official, and then the, the referee comes back over, sends him off, and he refuses to leave for, for the first bit. He just kind of stands there defiantly refusing to walk off the pitch, but he was sent off in the end. They they, they did score a compilation, Kwame Poku, to make a 4-2. didn't really matter game was over by that point it was in the 90th minute a really good win by Derby some worrying form for Peterborough I still
0: still think they'll be there at the end of the season though both teams you know they've got the strength and you know this is a blip as you get in this league Mm. it's you know one of those results and you know you have to learn from it as a team don't you and and use it as a motivator for the next game um so yeah it was it was an entertaining game really good game
2: Gary, on Darren Ferguson, do you think he is the man to lead them back to the championship? I mean, uh, maybe it's a silly question. He got—I mean, they got close last year, apart from the the game that posh fans won't want us to mention. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> I shouldn't <laughs> laugh today. Well, uh, you and I had this conversation, Adam. I think on the podcast last week, didn't we? He's not his dad. Um, I <laughs> I disagree slightly with Johnny. I'm not sure that Peterborough, in their current state, will be there or thereabouts. I think they look weaker than they did last season. Uh, and I don't think Darren Ferguson is the man to lead them out of it. It, it, it. There's that whole definition of madness is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And they keep going back to Darren Ferguson. It's time that Peterborough United tried something new. Darren Ferguson, five, six, seven years ago, maybe was the right man for Peterborough. In my opinion, he's not now. would just like to have a word on Derby, though, by the way. I tip them to be runaway Promotion contenders, them and Bolton. Um, they've got Max Bird out. They've got Joe Ward out. They've got Kane Wilson out. Yeah, you know, we're talking about the players that they've signed in Fauna. They've signed Tyrese John Jules, who you know he's quite an energetic forward. He adds mm-hmm. a legs to their strike force. Obviously Waghorn's getting the goals, but you know, 68 minutes, they they kind of went to a three, like a, a, a tight three up top. James Collins, who again, I know you, you said you've seen him from Republic of Ireland, not that impressed. I saw him for Luton, and I thought he was an outstanding centre forward. Then it, that was his best season, though. It was, but at this level, I think that there's a, he's able. Mm-hmm. Waghorn and, and Hurahan, who, you know, Connie Hurahan shouldn't be in League One. He's got no place being in League One at all. It's, it's child's play. It's like me trying to go and sit my English GCSE again or something like that. See, I'd probably find <laughs> that hard. <laughs> um, Derby County, mark my words. I agree with Johnny there. They're going to be there or thereabouts. You finish above Derby County, you will definitely be in the playoffs. You finish above Peterborough United, I'm not convinced that that's going to be the case this season.
2: Well speaking of teams that are doing really well this season and may even at least reach the playoffs, it's Oxford United. What a start they've had. They lost their opening game and now they've won four straight. I mean they lost their opening two games if you count the EFL Cup. They played Bristol City, they were trashed five one. But since then they've won four out of four. They're currently top of the league. Exeter of City, of course, a second, but Oxford United are top of the league. Liam Manning has done some unbelievable has done an unbelievable job there. But as a pessimist, I'm gonna start with the the team that, that lost. Gary I'll throw to you on Dean Holden. I know we spoke about him last week, but it's five defeats in a row now. Fans are getting very, very impatient. Charlton Athletic, we tipped at the real EFL. When you look back at our predictions, uh, table for the league, we tipped them for well, at least a, a playoff spot, you would imagine top, top, top six, but Five defeats in a row, and they are now currently. I mean, I've, they're so far down. I've had to scroll down on Google. They are nineteenth. Talk to me about Dean Holden. Do you think he? Do you think he'll last much longer?
1: I will talk about Dean Holden. What I will just say very, very quickly is. Um, I tipped Oxford United for promotion in the summer, um, and I know that's not going to go down well with Johnny. Uh, I appreciate that, so I'll, I'll let Johnny talk about how good Oxford are because I know he's going to really enjoy doing that. I'll just—I'm I'll just, just going to put it out there. You know, I—I I already called it. Look, with Charlton, they've got a good squad. Not for the first time, by the way, they go into a League One season with a good squad. They did. They had it under Nigel Adkins when they um, when they had the likes of George mm-hmm. Dobson and Jaden Stockley. Um, He's under pressure. He has absolutely got to be under pressure. They had three shots on target yesterday. Their XG was 0.64. It is not good enough for the squad that they have. It is not good enough for the size of their team. You look at Oxford and their their last three games with Derby, Barnsley and Charlton. They should be three games against teams that are in the top 10. Charlton look anything but that. And their fans Mm. are getting sick of it. They're getting sick of having good players and the wrong coach. And I, I genuinely, I don't want to... Dean Holden's a nice guy, from what I understand. I think he's, you know, he's well-respected in football, similar to Darren Moore in that respect. But if you're not doing it, you're not doing it. I think Charlton Athletic will be one of the teams that pulls the trigger early, especially if he doesn't start picking up. Putting as, as, a, as Lincoln City's manager, if he doesn't start putting Ws in those columns, then he's going to be in serious trouble, I think.
2: Tyler Goodrum with a brace. He scored, of course, two goals for Oxford United. I just found out last night that he actually... I think has an Irish grandparent so he could in theory play for Republic of Ireland. So let's let's live in let's live in hope, shall we? A positive for Charlton Athletic is Alfie May he scored two on the bounce now, the second consecutive goal for the Addicts. It was a really it was a nice goal. I mean he wasn't really picked up, I suppose you can say, in the box, if that's the, the correct term. It was he he tapped a home then of course. What I will say as well is I think Charlton will at least give Dean Holden until the next game. They're playing Fleetwood Town, who are in their own right on abhorrent form. They haven't won a game this season. We'll get on to them. They've lost four and and drawn once. I think you would expect Charlton Athletic to win that game, although I expected Charlton Athletic to win the last couple of games too, and they haven't. So I, I do believe that he will be given at least till the Fleetwood Town game. If they don't beat Fleetwood Town, I I, I, I I fear the worst for him, unfortunately. We will move on though to Burton Albion won. Bolton Wanderers won. Bolton were obviously thrashed last week 4-0 against Wigan Athletic. They didn't really wasn't really the response I don't think the fans were expecting. I mean Burton Albion, another team who haven't won this season, they've been on some difficult form. they they've picked up two points all season and both have come in the last well, recording this on the Sunday, so the last eight days, I suppose we can say. They were very fortunate to get away with a point. I felt against Wickham Wanderers last week. Max Crocombe was excellent in there. This time around, though, was kind of a different story. Johnny, I felt they were a lot better, a lot more of a threat anyway going forward, and they 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 could have won the game. Although you can also say the same about both Wanderers too.
0: Yeah,
1: definitely. What do you I
0: think? Created chances, and I think you know that's been the problem for them, isn't it? You know, now you know they've got that point, which I don't think many people would have thought. They would have got that against Bolton yesterday, to be honest. You know, Bolton are a, a strong side in this league. Um, but they, they dominated a lot of the, the game um, up to a point. And then, you know, then it switches that, you know, as, as the game changes at this level. Um, but they certainly, did. you know, they, they deserved at least a point from that performance. Um, you know, and I think it could have gone either way. But I don't think either manager, you know, when they were talking afterwards, you know, it, they they both should have won, <laughs> which you know is the way that that kind of game can go.
2: Uh... Was it a war? Do you think it was a better point for Burton than Balls Wanderers? Maybe that's a silly question because of the the expectation, I suppose, for both clubs. But again, it comes back to the question of did Burton Albion deserve more? They also went one. The loop and we'll get on to Mark Helm in a moment when I when I come to Gary. But Johnny, they 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 could have won the game. Nathan Baxter made an unbelievable save, yeah. if I'm not mistaken towards the end of the match, I don't remember the exact minute. It was a, a, a phenomenal save by him in, in goal. Max Crokem, I thought, made some really good saves in the game as well. Although he was questionable for Dion Charles's goal, I feel I, I I understand he came out because he believed Charles was in behind was in behind throwing goal. I don't. I feel like the ball was going across the box, though. I don't think he needed to come out there. And he, anyway, he committed. Deion Charles would have. Yeah, but it was a nice goal. I mean, nice bit, of, nice bit of skill. Keeper comes out. He's in no man's land. A great goal by Charles, but do you think it was a better point for Burton or or for Bolton?
0: I think like both sides would take it as a point. You know, looking at Bolton losing 4-0 last week, they had to come back and get something from that game, isn't it? You know, you, you lose again, you lose a bit of momentum. Burton needed the points, so you know, in the season that's only just begun and we're a long way to go. I think you just go you take a point each and and, and use it as as for the next game, that we we you know we're often running for Burton's point of view is in for them, mm-hmm. and then Bolton have got their bit of confidence back after the, the last week's result. So,
2: yeah, Gary Mark Helm he scored Burton Albion's second goal of the season, which isn't isn't great reading, but it was still a nice finish by him. Talk to me about Mark Helm. You had, you had some thoughts before the podcast that you wanted to share.
1: Yeah, I'm a big fan of Mark Helm. Um I watched him a couple of times last season and I think that he has got real star quality. And I think we talked in, in a couple of weeks ago about how Burton just kind of, you know, they just throw handfuls of muck at the wall and wait to see what sticks when it comes to recruitment and their squad churn is is kind of 80% every single transfer window. They you know, people are old enough to remember what Barry Fry used to do when he was at Birmingham where he used to just sign 100 players and then see which ones see which ones were any good. Um, and I think Mark Helm is one of the gems. You know, if you're panning for gold, he he's the bit that glints at you in, in the, the kind of the the melee of, uh, of, of average players. And that's not to say that Burn, by the way, have got average players. I think they've underperformed massively this season. I like Joe Powell in the midfield for them. I think Rakeem Harper has got a lot of ability. I think big Sam Hughes at the back for them is is, is a really good defender. And I'm surprised that when I look at the aerial duels per 90 minutes over the course of League One that they're not in the top five. So it's not a typical Mamrie, kind of pump it up to the big man and let's see what falls. I thought they were unlucky actually not to take all three points yesterday. I think their XG was 1.89 compared to 1.16 mm-hmm. of Bolton. Um, Bolton had 63% possession. Burton are going to be one of those teams that will be happy to let you have possession. They'll be organised. They'll be strong. Um, I think that this is the start of an upward trajectory for them. I don't think that they're going to be in relegation uh, trouble come even come December time.
2: Well, let's hope because we, I mean, we had this conversation literally on the podcast last week where they seem to do the... I compared it to the Sunderland in the Premier League a few years ago. It's almost a great escape every single season. It's, you know, you're death doomed for relegation. There's absolutely no hope. New manager, bang, couple of wins, back up the table. Same again this season. There's only so often you can do that. Look at Everton in the Premier League. There's another example of a team that are teetering that line a bit, a bit, a bit too closely. We'll move on now to Gary, and we'll stay with you because this is a, a, a result you will be very. Very pleased with it. It is Lincoln City 3, Blackpool nil. I'll, I'll get your thoughts on Lincoln before we get on to Blackpool, but Blackpool are now four games without scoring a goal. Three goalless draws and a 3-0 loss. It was, I mean, my notes say lots of possession, no end product. Is that is that, before we get on to Lincoln, of course, I'm just talking about Blackpool. Do you think that's a fair assessment or, or did Blackpool deserve something from the game? But looking at their, their XG stats and their shot stats, they really didn't.
1: No, I don't think they did. I think they were the better side in possession in the first half. I think they had one or two players who could certainly do damage. And Blackpool fans will be really surprised to hear me say, I thought CJ Hamilton was one of their biggest threats because they don't seem to to rate him. Um, but they had a they, were, they had one ball. They were looking for a big cross field ball to target Jack Boris at fullback and, and get Hamilton on the ball. Neil Critchley comes across to me as a very confused man because he made his first substitution on 27 minutes, taking off Lavery for Jordan Rhodes. Lavery didn't look happy. At halftime, he made three changes, but they were all player for player. It wasn't a change of setup, which to me suggests he didn't have mm-hmm. faith in the personnel that he had put out. Um, he started with what I consider to be a centre-back at wing-back in Callum Connolly. I think Blackpool are better than their coaches allowing them to be. But on yet- on yesterday's performance... They missed a big chance early doors. It was big save from, from Jensen, I think, early, uh, Jensen early doors in the goal. Um, had that gone in, it might have been different. Had we not got our noses in front early doors, it might have been different. But um, it was, yeah, from a Lincoln point of view, it was a clinical performance. You know, we took our chances. We probably had three chances in the first half off the top of my head. One of them was the penalty, which we which we we won from a high press. So we you know, we we harassed there. Um, I think it was Oliver Casey and Ollie Norburn into giving the ball away, and and it was a it was a tackle that if it was on a Sunday league, um, you'd go what on earth is he doing now? I mean, it was just mental. It was like FIFA, you know, when you inadvertently inadvertently press the slide tackle button, and the player comes flying in from nowhere. It's like what's he doing? Um, well, good goal from Ethan Arahan. and then second half it was. It was just, it wasn't one way traffic. We were just so controlled. Lincoln City are a team that will let you have possession as much as you want. And when we get it, we'll we'll try and be clinical. And it was 3-0 did flatter us perhaps, um, but you couldn't argue with either of the penalties. And we scored a decent goal from out of play as well. So Blackpool fans have got a bit to be worried about around Critchley, I think.
2: I thought the second goal was really good. Some really good build-up play. Some quick. There was a quick inside ball then, and 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 then of course, the goal came. I did. I just want to make a point on on, on Marvin Ekpatete. It, it was a, it was a nightmare performance. I felt for him. I kind of felt bad at one stage. The, pen, the I mean, the penalty was shocking, obviously, but the deflected goal. I, I feel okay. he Probably could have done better. But it was just one of those goals. I kind of felt bad for him. And then uh Norborne sent off. It was just a defensive nightmare by Blackpool, and they looked so tootless going forward. I mean, again, they got relegated last season. I didn't have them as favourites to go up. I didn't think they'd be this bad, though, but four games, no goals for a team like Blackpool. I know they just signed Jordan Rhodes as well, so maybe, but again, I also feel like, you know, what, what year is this? But just a poor performance, just a really, really poor performance. I'm worrying too. They play Wolves next, which is in the EFL Cup, so, you know, I don't think, um, I think in the in terms of the league, if, if they can beat Wolves, great, but, I, you know, I don't think the fans will be too upset if a league one side don't beat a Premier League side. But the next uh, game is at home against Wigan in the league, which is, which is going to be a tough one. Yeah, so that's going to be a really tough one. I think, I mean, even even if they don't score in that game, I even mean, five games without a goal, they could potentially, two losses out of two. They haven't won since the opening day against Bourdon Albion. When in the first half, I thought they were pretty good. Second half, I remember saying on the podcast, it was the first podcast we did. I thought they were poor in the second half and then every game since then has been shocking, to say the least. But we spent enough time on Lincoln or, uh, and, and Blackpool. We mo- will move on to, A surprising result because of the balance of play and considering one team going into this game week were top of the league. Leighton Orient 2, Cambridge United 0. Again, as I said, Cambridge United were the previous league leaders. This is Leighton Orient's first win of the season as well, which is an unbelievable win. But when you look at the stats, Leighton Orient had 69% of the ball. Now, I know Mark Bonner's side haven't been known to be... I mean, yeah, OK, there's certain games they can dominate the ball. That's fine. They're a good enough team to do so. But a lot of their wins this season have been, or some of their best performances have been, when they're sitting deep in their own half. Look at last week against Bristol Rovers, where they won at home against Bristol, of course. And But Joey Barton, Bristol Rovers' manager, came out afterwards. And I believe I said on the podcast at the time, he gave these kind of sly compliments. Like, oh, they're so brave to park in their own half at home. And then Cambridge United won 2-0. The 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 first game against Oxford United, the same kind of thing. They 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 don't mind sitting back and hitting you on the break. They kind of went for that, or they did go for that tactic against Leighton Orient, and it was kind of disastrous. 2-0. I thought Leighton Orient were brilliant, and I don't think Cambridge United ever looked like winning the game. I don't think it was it was that even. This is the game I mentioned earlier where I had a full nerd fit to myself when I read the stats last night because the stats I have written down are late in Orange XG was 2.00, although I understand that other platforms will always have different kind of the numbers will be slightly different given the, how they collect data. Cambridge United's XG was 0.46. I mean, I think you said, Gary, earlier that anything under uh, 0.5 is, is you don't deserve a goal, and they didn't. I thought I thought it was a poor performance, but Johnny, do you think it was that they they were brought back down to earth finally, or or was it just a bad day at the office? Cambridge United, I mean, because they were obviously on flying form, and now they're, you know that that was a that was a pretty bad loss yesterday against a team, such a dominant loss too against late Orange, against a team that hadn't won all season. They were top of the league, and now they suffered a, a loss. You think it's, you know, just a, a reality check?
0: Yeah, like, it sounds like you know sitting back in a game like that when really you know they're, they're the the informed team. You expect them to be on. All- on the, uh, the front foot more and to go for the win where a team that's not won all season and are under pressure at home, there's a chance there, isn't there, to really, you know, they're, they're informed, they're confident, they're top of the league, you're playing a team at the bottom, this is the chance to get that next step of uh, confidence, whatever you want to call it, and, and, and go for the win, but when you say the possession's so low, uh, What three shots on target, I think, in the end, uh, none in the first half. Um, and then Orion, you know, to get the result for them is huge, I think, for their season now. That's really going to give them a, a huge lift going ahead. That they now got that one under the belt against a team who were doing well that they compete with. They had a lot of possession, they're on top um you know so for them now it's it's they can look look forward to the next game and not go oh geez with another one we've got to get a win Mm -hmm. here we're we're under pressure under pressure so yeah it's 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 a start for them
2: and as I said I think it was a genuinely a a dominant display a wonderful performance they have our late Orient sorry have Stevenage at home next and Cambridge United have Reading at home so 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 Johnny you'll You'll be interested to know that. So maybe it's a good time to play Cambridge United. If they have won and they were still top of the league, maybe you would feel less confident about going to Cambridge United and trying to get a result.
1: Away days are great, especially when your striker bag's a last-minute winner. But there's nothing quite like playing at home. And do you know what? The same goes for McDonald's. Why not maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery? Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating in restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
2: This podcast is sponsored by the wonderful people over at NordVPN. The 2023-24 campaign is set to draw to a close, but the football never truly stops. With the Olympics, Euro 2024 and the new season set to commence in no time, make sure you don't miss any of the action wherever you may be in the world by downloading NordVPN. For just the price of one cup of coffee per month, NordVPN allows you to watch your favorite teams, players, shows, and movies anywhere in the world, even if they aren't available in your region, simply by switching the location on your device to one which is showing the content. NordVPN also acts as your cyber bodyguard, protecting your personal data and other sensitive information such as credit cards and passwords from falling into the wrong hands, which is always a worry when you travel abroad. And with just one subscription to NordVPN, you can use this service across six different devices, which is incredibly handy if you're traveling with your family and or loved ones. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash real EFL. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support our podcast too. The link is in the podcast episode description box. So now, back to the podcast. We will move on now, though, to Port Vale 1, Carlisle United 0. Now... Not going to lie, not a wonderful game of football. Not a lot really happened. There was, I I, I think, the the result was deserved on the balance of play. Fifty one percent of the ball Port Vale had to forty nine. That's not really, I mean, even stats in that respect. But Port Vale had seventeen shots to ten. The xG I have here is one point six nine for Port Vale to zero point seven five for Carlisle. Could have been a draw. Could have been a, a more comfortable win for Port Vale had they converted some of their their chances. Although the Seventeen shots in a one point six nine XG really isn't a is isn't a high quality of chance when you break it down what the actual percentage of those chances going in is. But major talking points in the game was the goal. Gary, you've seen the goal. It was I mean, okay. I'll I'll get on to Paul Simpson's comments in a sec, but I feel like the, I, I understand it's a silly it's silly. It's a silly throw in. It's absolutely ridiculous. But I think the goalkeeper could have controlled it.
1: I, yeah, it's just one of those moments where, in my head, as soon as I see it, all I can hear is the (laughs) going off in my head. Uh, I can understand why Paul Simpson was angry, and I can understand why he's pinpointed it. Yes, the keeper could have controlled it. Yes, he's then made he's made a silly mistake. Um, I think there's a there's a more fundamental problem with Carlisle United, if I'm entirely honest. And uh, I think we can look at that and he can blame that. But I also think he was fairly scathing about the, the rest of the performance and he'd have every right to be, you know, he brought in Luke Plans, a relatively big name centre forward, you know, he's been in, in the, the Belgian uh, leagues. He was at Lincoln last season. He's he moved from it. He looks really poor. He looks a long, long way off it. And I I just don't see, I don't see any identity. With Carlisle United at the minute, I don't see any progression. Um, I mean, they brought Dan Butterworth in, who I thought was a was a was a cracking player for Port Vale last season. Actually, Butterworth, um, and he came on I think for the last six minutes. I, I I think of all of the teams that have come up, there's always one I think that tends to struggle. Forest Green last season, obviously, were, we're cut adrift. And um, with five games in, it's a little bit too early to tell. But I don't think Port Vale are a decent are, are a top half side i think that they're gonna somewhere in the middle of the lower half and they were comfortably the better side and it's funny about xg stats Why scouts xg actually had them at 2.87 so you know xg does kind of vary so much between um between providers mm-hmm. they were never in any doubt and, and to be honest Port Vale should really i in my opinion probably have, have won by more i think they're two teams that There won't be very many League One clubs or managers looking at that going, don't fancy playing them next week. Uh, And, you know, Port Vale, I can see developing. I can see getting stronger. I can see moving forward at the moment. Carlisle need a big week between now and Friday. They they need bodies. They need something in. And I don't see them bringing it. I don't see them getting it.
2: Just touching on the XG point, I just want to make it clear. I know we kind of mentioned this last week. The reason XG at this level varies so much between providers is because the lack of camera angles in the stadiums and because... At the highest level, when you're talking with the Premier League, Champions League, the you know Serie A, league on etc., they have 100 cameras. You, you you know, okay. some the way they collect the data might be slightly different, but realistically, the data will be a couple of a couple of points in the difference between each provider. Especially like Champions League game, I mean, you Man City versus Real Madrid. The XG is going to be spot on. There's 100 cameras. They're always going to get the exact spot that that shot was taken. At this level. Not so much, unfortunately, maybe in the future, but actually is still, I suppose, a bit in its infancy of when it was created. I mean, it was created in 2012. It only really started to take flight a couple of years ago, maybe four, three, four years ago, to my knowledge. So hopefully in the future, we'll, get, we'll be a lot more accurate. I just want to say on Port Vale, since the game, I won't mention it, because I said I would not earlier, so I won't. I'll keep my word. I won't mention the opening game. They've won three games and drawn once. Unbelievable form for Andy Crosby's side. Less so for Paul Simpson. Gary, you mentioned that I've interviewed Paul Simpson, as I said last week. Really lovely guy, an absolute gentleman, but he was seething in his post-match interview. I was genuinely... I was kind of taken aback. I didn't think he would get, get that angry. He called the decision for to take the throw and to play it to a goalkeeper. He labeled it as disgusting and unprofessional. And then he said... I'm not taking responsibility for this loss. You know, maybe rightly so. If they didn't make that throw, in, it was, it would have been goalless. Although, again, hindsight, hindsight's twenty twenty. Just poor. Carlisle United still haven't won a game this season. Their only threat really looks like Owen Moxon, but like outside of that, I don't think they look wonderful. And, and yeah, just poor. I want them to do well. I like I like Paul Simpson. Just it doesn't seem to be. They just seem to be struggling with the adaptation, I suppose, to a higher quality league. But, let's move on. Two, Bristol Rovers, one. Wickham Wanderers, two. Now, Joey Barton's come under a lot of criticism, Johnny, for his his team's performances recently. They lost last week against Cambridge United, 2-0. They've lost again. It was... And I mean, so just, just to list some stats off to give context to the listeners. They had 70% of the ball and one shot on target. Yeah. Like 1.06XG, they had 12 shots in total. 12 shots, one on target. They've won win so far this season. They're currently sitting in 17th place. Talk to me about this game. Where do, where do Bristol Rovers go from here?
0: Yeah, like I was so speaking to Matt, who's our, our Rovers fan on here, um, about the game. He was there. And he said, basically, Wickham did the homework on Rovers. I mean, I, I was thinking before the game, this is one that Rovers would win. Um, you know, Wickham not been doing well. But um, he said, that you know, that basically, Wickham allowed Rovers to have the ball, but, you know, sort of low block, not, you know, in any sort of threatening areas. And then Rovers, you know, had, had the pressure started off well the first 10, 15 minutes... Gave away a stupid free kick, needless. Wickham mm-hmm. scored, and then Wickham basically, dude. Well, they can, you know, they made the game ugly. I think, you know, as you know, after the game, Joey Barton came out and said that he wouldn't pay money to watch that game by Wickham, which, well, they won, and you ain't gonna win forty six games in a season playing pretty football or whatever way you want to call it, Wickham. Had did what it had to do, they you know, they, they slowed the game down, they um, they didn't let Rovers play, but then Rovers didn't play with any urgency, didn't play with any energy. Um, it was all very timid, you know. And, and I think they've got a good squad at Rovers. Um, some of the players that have come in, um, over the summer, uh, Hunt, um, the other lad, his name, uh, George Friend, you know. So there's there's a good, good depth there, but it wasn't pretty. Um, And I think those kind of games where somebody like they're playing the kind of football that Ainsworth played, it was, you know, a lot of long ball. It was it was um, slowing the game down, whatever way you want. It's not pretty football. Fine. But if you're a good manager and you've got good players, you have to find a way to play around that because you're not going to (laughs) get 24 teams in this league playing the same way. It's it's Mm -hmm. teams teams play with what uh, resources they have. But what Wickham have got is uh, Matt Bloomfield there is you know who's a good manager. He can bring on somebody like Gareth McCleary in the second half, who obviously know at Reading for years, who you know, experience got the goal for them, but they they they've got that depth where they know how to win the games. I know they've not been doing great, you know, this season. It's been a bit hit and miss. But looking at that game there, he's coming, you know, and there's going to be games later on where he's going to have to play a different way as well. You know, teams that maybe play quicker and put them under pressure, he's not going to have that those opportunities that they had yesterday. So it was down to Barton to change it and to to, to use the players that he had to make a difference, but he, he couldn't seem to. It, it was very laboured and, and, you know, they got a late goal, like five minutes to go, but it didn't look like they were going to win or, you know, even get an equaliser. So, It's it's
2: the the goal was their only shot on target (laughs) from seventy percent possession.
0: Yeah, and as a home side, you're kind of like that's that's not good enough as a fan watching. Mm. Um, So I'll be questioning like you know would be paying money to watch Rovers play if they're playing like that as a failure from from what he was saying. So he's he's got to he's he's got to you know change his attitudes in what what he's got with the players um, and turn it into not moaning about what what the other team does. What he needs to do as a manager and for his team.
2: Well, I mentioned earlier about Devante Cole scoring five goals from seven shots, which is one of the best conversion rates in League One this season. But the very best conversion rate in League One this season is Joe Lowe, who's taken three shots and scored three goals. And he is one of the top goal scorers in the league, although he is quite down the list. With three goals, three shots, 100% conversion rate. A very pointless stat that no one cares about bar me, but I quite enjoy it. I also didn't know that Joey Barton said that about Wickham Wanderers about People wouldn't pay to see this. That's quite interesting because that's the second week in a row he's taken, uh, you know, a little pot shot at his opposition for beating him. Uh, maybe Joey should look in the mirror and say, you know, as you said, would people come watch us? Gary, you have something you want to 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 add to that.
1: Yeah, absolutely, yeah, because after... um, I think Joey Barton is very rapidly becoming the new Carl Robinson in that I think Bristol Rovers are being held back by him rather than being progressed by him. Um, in March this year, he claimed um, that striker Brandon Hanlon didn't have a clue where the ball was going when he scored against them, so he's lashed out at him before. He had a pop at Ethan Orahan after we beat them, after Lincoln beat them last season. He will never, ever own... Uh, an issue. He will never own when his team have not done particularly well. Look, Paul Simpson's very different. He lashed out. Fair enough, but he lashed out at his own players. When Joey Barton does it, it's personal. Right. Who was the centre half? He said he'll never play for the club again last season. And then he and then he needed to play him, and then he ended up selling him. And then when we we beat him six three at their place, and he he only had two fit centre halves. One of them got sent off. He appealed the decision. The decision was overturned, and then he dropped him and played a central midfielder at centre half. Um, The hype around Joey Barton is slowly fading away. I think he started as a decent manager at this level at Fleetwood. I think he did a decent job at Bristol Rovers. They only came up, remember, because Scunthorpe threw the game away uh, against them. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been promoted last season. And whether he would have, or the season before last, I'm not convinced. And you're absolutely right. The sooner he stops talking about opposition and stops blaming everybody else. If things, it's like Johnny said, They've got a good squad. Make no mistake, they have got a good squad. You've got Luke Thomas there. You've got Aaron Collins there. As you said, you've got mm-hmm. George Friend there. You've got you've got a, a top half League One squad. Matt and Cox, and
2: Kramer great. from from Brentford, two really good uh, players.
1: Exactly. Um, if you're not getting, if you've got all the best instruments in the band, but you're still not getting a tune, uh, you you know mm-hmm. it's user error at the end of the day. And a good workman can't keep blaming his tools and he can't keep blaming the opposition. He's got to look inwardly. Um, and I think as well with... Sorry, and that, there's certain managers that really rile me. And Joey Barton really? does it now. Yeah, but he only does it now because it's, it's that lashing out at everybody else. It's not on and it, it's not a good look for their football club either. And they're a football club that need a good look after the signing of Giovanni Brown as well. So thank you for that.
2: Well... I feel like Joey Barton's the type of person that would 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 lash out for people having an opinion on Joey Barton. So what I will say is, Joey, if you're listening, I loved your hat yesterday. I thought you looked great in it. We will move on now, though. To Exeter City two, Reading one. Johnny, I'll throw it to you on this as a as a Reading supporter. After the game, Ruben Sellers said we we didn't play like the side we want to be, which I feel was a really good quote to sum up their performance. Although. I will say, in my opinion, you could, uh, you might disagree. I thought second half was a lot better, even though the second half was the half that they, they lost and lost the game in. But I thought it was. I thought second half was okay. Oh, apologies. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, ninety-two minute goal uh, from Reese Cole. So I read the notes wrong. Second half, they they lost, but I thought they created more in the second half. I thought the force was quite poor. What are your what's your take on the on, on the game and and Reading's performance?
0: Yeah, like I think you know, with, with Salah, he, he sets up. The way that he does is very kind of rigid, and he plays his four-two-two, two, two very narrow. Yeah. And yesterday in the first half really exploited that down that down the wings. You know, they they had that they they dominated the first half. Um, scored probably the defender who could have done better. Um, you know, one of those kind of challenges. But you know. Young, you know, we've got young players out there that are learning on the job because of all the off the pitch stuff that's going on. He's trusting in in these lads, um, you know, to do a job. And, and you know, we half time when you know, what I like about him, he's not afraid to change when things mm-hmm. are going wrong. At half time, he realized it wasn't working, we need an extra man in midfield. Brought a young lad, uh, lad that's Chelsea Dad on, um. And we played really well. When we actually should have, we got the equalizer just before half time, which is poor defender on Nexter's part. Nibs, nibs nipped in and, and equalized. Second half, I think Aziz had a charge. El um, Hibatim had a chance, didn't take it. Football, ninety third minute, yeah. And it's a good finish. Like you, you, you have to suck it up and go. You know, when something you know a finish like that deserves to win a game, but you know. We could have, could have come out. We should deserve to draw at least. Didn't get it. That's the game. But, um, you know, for for what he's trying to achieve there under all the pressures that we've got, you know, he's basically um, some of the senior players have been admitted. I'll read into that mm-hmm. what you like with Andy Carroll, um, Tom Holmes, Yeardom, who's club captain is on the bench, and Abby, who, who's the under 21 captain, has been captaining. But then, gives Yid on the captain's armband when he comes on as sub, which is a bit bizarre, but um, you know, it, it's going to be, it's one of our seasons for us. It's going to be, you know, a game like that. We'll, you know, we'll learn from it. Other games, you know, we don't, we've come off two wins, um, you know, and it's exciting to see. We've actually got a method of playing. We've actually got a way of, of doing stuff, unlike Ince last season, which was just hoof for no tactics. You can see what Sellers is doing and, and when it works, it works. He's learning about the squad. We desperately need new players in, um, but that's the game. But the the the, bit, the the nice part, aside from the football yesterday, is I called it, was the Eamon a- a- Dolan derby. There was a big celebration there for one of those amazing people in football who was manager of Exeter um, when they were coming out of all of their troubles 20 years ago, who then became Reading's Academy director and has influenced so many young footballers um, as people, as players, uh, Pierce Sweeney and Jack Jules down at Exeter. Um, You know, so it was nice to have that tribute towards the great man. Um, But, you know, Exeter, aside from my Reading upset, Exeter are a good side, especially at home. They're hard to beat, they're well-organized. Gary Caldwell, you know, he said it was the best that they played in that first half. and then you said, like, you know, there's games where you have to dig in and, you not, you know, you're not going to have the ball all the time and you have to defend well and you have to do And they rode out that, that rough patch where we were on top and, and got the goal. So, you know, it's, it's on to the next one.
2: There is still a lot of inexperience in that side. And, of course, they can grow throughout the season. I'm talking about Reading here. There was a moment yesterday in the game where I, it was Matthew Carson, I believe. I think a pass was played out to Carson. And he and it was going out of play, but he ran yeah. to the touchline to 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 keep it in. I put his foot on the ball. He's gone, the, the Exeter, just collect the ball from where I mean, just leave it, let it go out. Defend the throw in. It's okay. It's not, you know, it's not a dire situation. It's 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 near enough the halfway, I'm not near the halfway line. I suppose it was like the halfway point between the corner flag and the halfway line. Just let it go. Defend the throw in. He tries to keep it in. Exeter almost score. I mean, it was it was a whisker away from going in. He just blazed it over the bar in the end. Still, it it was disappointing because Reading were on a two-game win streak. The next game for Reading is in the EFL Cup after beating Millwall two weeks ago. They now face Ipswich Town, who are... Well, I was going to say unbeaten. They aren't unbeaten after yesterday, of course, having played out a, a seven-goal thriller with Leeds United. I still think... Uh, but they, they were on a two-game win uh, winning streak. They beat Shelton, they beat Stevenage. Exeter City were always going to be a tough game. Exeter City are second in the league table. Which is really, really impressive by Gary Caldwell's side. We will move on though to Fleetwood Town nil. Shrewsbury Town 1. Gary, I'll just throw it to you quickly on Scott Brown. I mean, where do where do Fleetwood Town go from here with Scott Brown? A lot of fans were highly displeased. It's it's fair to say. I, I, I really don't like coming on and saying manager should go. I'm just posing the question because their xG I've written down was zero point four nine. They they didn't look like scoring in my opinion. I thought they were again toothless up front. They maybe had one or two chances that were that were decent, but they just I mean two goals scored this season. A conceded. Fans are getting frustrated now with Scott Brown. Is it is it you know time for a change or should he should they stick with him?
1: I think they should stick with him. Um, because I think that the problems at Fleetwood run much, much deeper than who is in the Mm -hmm. dugout. Now, I rather foolishly uh, tipped Fleetwood for the top six this season because I looked at their squad... Uh, yeah, genuinely, I looked at their squad. I looked at, at Stockley and I looked at Jack Marriott. I looked at Danny Mayer and I looked at Ryan Broom, I think he's there. And you just think, wow, that's they've got some real mm. attacking quality. Um, a- admittedly, it's no longer 2019. So perhaps I should have factored that in as well. <laughs> it would have been better four years ago. Um, but, you know, Scott Brown could have walked in the summer. Uh, quite and and another manager may well have done, I think he showed loyalty to Fleetwood, given what happened, and look when you know we're not here to pick over that, but when your um owner is is sent down, and you know there's all sorts of question marks around where you're going as a club, I think there are fundamental problems at Fleetwood that are in the post, and you know they're not due this season, they're not probably not due to arrive they're not forced to sell, but going forward, they're a club that probably would struggle to sustain League two football based on their um, attendances you know and and having a chairman who's legitimately putting money in or, or, or allegedly or whatever um so i i think scott brown is actually a, a method for them to stay out of the bottom four this season i think if you start making changes now uh, a week before the transfer window and i know what i've said about charlton that you know they've, Fleet would have got a decent squad for the size of for the team that they are. Scott Brown did a good job there last season and five games in after the summer that they've had they expected some turbulence their XG is low their their XG I think they're something like sixth worst in the division on Mm -hmm. 5.6 but bear in mind Oxford's XG over the five games is lower than Fleetwood's so it's not always a good barometer the fact is Oxford have got 5.5 XG scored 8 whereas Fleetwood have got 5.6 and scored 2 so it really is a question of being clinical and when you've got Danny Mayer and Jack Marriott and Jaden Stockley you wouldn't expect that to be the issue. I, I actually think Fleetwood stick with Scott Brown. You know, the expectation isn't there, like with Dean Holden at Charlton.
2: I do want to play devil's advocate just for a moment. But if you look, I understand you. You said maybe it wasn't. It's not 2019, so you should have revised your 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 prediction. But if you did think Fleetwood Town have a good squad, should Scott Brown not be doing better than second bottom and winless in five four losses on a in in a row?
1: the question mark was over how much the events of the summer Mm -hmm. affected the squad and the management team and I think it's been a bad start as partly as a hangover the question is in 10-15 games are they still going to be there I think their best best opportunity to move away from what's happened in the summer and achieve some sort of stability on the football side of things is by keeping Scott Brown because I think you get rid of him are you going to get somebody of his quality because I think I still think he's a decent manager he's a good young coach he's kind of like a Joey Barton but without the controversial uh, outgoing mm-hmm. personality. I think football-wise, they're very, very similar. I think if he goes, who goes to Fleetwood Town? Like Charlton, it's fine. You get rid of Dean Holden, you'll have managers yeah. queuing up around round the, round the block. Fleetwood? Yeah, if they offered me it, I'd have to think twice. So, uh, yeah, I'm
2: not, I'm not <laughs> sure. What I will say is, though, that, I mean, Frewsbury Town scored before. Fleetwood got anyone sent off. They had two red cards in the game, of course, Jay Lynch and Josh Errol. They didn't concede when they were down a man at all in the game, which is, I suppose, is a positive, if you want to look at it like that. Although, you know, I'm kind of just nitpicking on positives here. We talked about their lack of goal-scoring threat. It is nothing compared to Cheltenham Town. Cheltenham Town nil. Northampton Town 1. Cheltenham Town are now still... One of only two sides in England's top four divisions that are yet to score. Can anyone tell me the other team? It's Everton. Okay. It's Everton. And they are also rock bottom of the Premier League, but just like Cheltenham Town. But if you flip the table upside down, they're top. So, you know, makes you think. Johnny, they lost Alfie May. They they seem to lose everything when they lost Alfie May. Alfie May scored 2-2 two and two now. He's been on some, I don't know, it might be 3-3 three three actually, sorry. I think I might have that's that stat wrong. It might be 3-3 three three for Alfie May, it could be wrong though. No, I think it's 2-2. Two two. But they cannot score to save their lives. I mean, the XG 0.42, they had 8 shots, 41% of the ball. Just no no goal scoring to threat. We'll get on to Northampton Town in a moment, but just no... They just don't look like scoring. It's not even the case of like they, they're trying and they're missing chances. They just they don't look like scoring. I mean, where do they go from here? Did do they even look like League One quality this season?
0: Uh, and I think the manager was saying yesterday that you know they they they're building their hopes on keeping clean sheets after the game. And and like that's a pretty not the most positive way of uh setting out, is it? But then if you're gonna just, have to keep a
2: lot of clean sheets.
0: Yeah, yeah. And like the problem is like say there's there's nothing at the top for them. They're, they're just not like, is a one shot on target, yes, Steve? And at home against Northampton, we're kind of a big physical, strong team who do what they do. They play the way they do, they, they play with energy. Um, but then you know, when you're struggling, the last thing you need is a defensive slip for the goal, which mm. was you know, when you're under pressure, isn't it? It's always like you know, a few minutes to go. You literally see out the game, you get a point, you go, yeah. Okay, we've broken the the chain of things, but then yeah, it was a, it was a, yeah, Sunday League one. I don't know if it was even that, that good. Um, but you know, Sam Hoskins, you know, he's a good finisher. Um, took it well. You know, you know, could have easily panicked, but calm, calm as, and that's one 0 And you know, Cheltenham, are they going to chase the game and get a goal back with the way they're playing at the minute? It could be still playing now, and they're probably not scored. You know, that's that's the sad part for them, isn't it? You know, and that's, that, that creates a lot of pressure for the manager, um, Wade Elliott, who's, you know, is decent, but like, he's what he's working with there. It's what can they, what can they do differently? Uh, you know, they haven't, I imagine got a big budget that they can bring in players. So they mm. some might get lucky with somebody, maybe a lone player from a premier league club that, that could do something. They need some sort of footballing miracle really to, to help them, isn't it? Cause there's, Six games and no goals and five losses. It's like, well, that Orient we were talking about, they've they've at least got that win under their belts now. Cheltenham are still searching yeah. and the search goes on and the pressure goes on and that's hard.
2: Gary, just on Northampton Town before we move on, they've picked up seven points from nine. This is their second consecutive game they've scored late on. I mean, we all remember Mitch Pinnock's goal last week against Peterborough United, which was... I, I don't know if he. I mean, it was his goal, but obviously the goalkeeper kind of carried it over the line, in in, in a weird, it was a weird goal. And this time round, Sam Hoskins with a really nice finish. The cross was actually on. I thought he was going to square it, but it was it was a nice finish in the end to take it in the 88th minute. You said you were impressed by them two weeks ago. It was ju- just under two weeks ago when they played Lincoln City in that two-all game. Do you think they've enough to stay up? Because last couple of weeks, well, I mean, I know Chris Chris Lambing spoke about it last week on the podcast. He said that. They look, they look really good. They look not, you know, not not promotion quality, but they look kind of mid-tableish, decent, uh, tough side you don't want to face. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, just to point out, it's a third late goal as well because they actually scored in seven minutes of injury time against Lincoln. So you know, that. that one's still ingrained on my memory. Yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't let it. I can't let it go. Um, yeah, look, Northampton are going to be absolutely fine, and I think, I think they've. Um, they've got a little bit of consistency about them. They've taken the momentum from coming up forward into the division. They took a game or two to get going, but I think they've always played with confidence. I think they look like a good unit. And I think they're the sort of team that can establish themselves um, and and go on and have a half-decent season. And you're quite right, they're not promotion candidates. But for me, they, they'll they be aiming 12th, 13th will be where they want to finish. and I think they're capable of that. As for Cheltenham Town, if they're out of the bottom four at any point this season, uh, I'll be gobsmacked.
2: Yeah, yeah. The final game of the week. And again, we're doing match of the day running order here. We leave the goalless draws straws till last. But a lot happened in the game and after the game, which you know, maybe the actual events of the match aren't, aren't worth discussing. Although Stevenage did have a couple of really good opportunities. I know they hit the post as well. They had a, I actually thought it went in, but it was a good um it was a good shot. Hit the post. I thought Stevenage probably looked more likely to score when you look at the balance of XG. They had 12 shots to Portsmouth's 13, but the XG was 1.14 in favour of Stevenage to 0.67 for Portsmouth, which means that Stevenage had the higher quality of chances compared to Portsmouth. And Stevenage had three shots on target to Portsmouth two, even though they had less shots. Stevenage also had 31% of the ball, which I suppose I expected against, against, against Portsmouth. There was an incident in the game in the 56th minute. I have no idea what happened and i genuinely mean that i've watched it several times i also then went on twitter to see if i've missed something the the stevenage admin on twitter said that both for Kasky and joe rafferty were sent off and nobody knows why is what the the twitter admin said so what hope do i have it was can somebody i, I mean i mean johnny gary can one of you make sense of uh, of this for the listeners for me if if, if i'm for those that didn't see, I mean, uh, Johnny, I'll throw to you first, the, the, they they looked like they, kiss and made, they kissed and made up, and they kind of gave each other a hug, and then they started to run away, and the goal, the referee came over, red card, red card, and I thought, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. There was maybe something off the ball that we didn't see. I mean, what happened there from your perspective?
0: It's the same as I think the managers are both questioning that afterwards as well. It was like, okay, it was a bad tackle, I think, from Forster but it it was what it was. And they went, yeah, okay. Maybe they were too nice to each other. And that's a red card nowadays. I don't know. Like you, you, <laughs> you, can't, you can't make up afterwards. Um, yeah. Like it's, I don't think anyone in the ground probably knew what was going on. So what hope have we got? We weren't there. Like it's bizarre, yeah. very bizarre. Um, I don't think it probably particularly changed the, the way the game went. I, I could be wrong. You know, it was, um, you know, I think managed to get, you know, Pompey have been, been good. Stephen's got a point. Um, But yeah, they're dominated by that, unfortunately. So answers on a postcard to this podcast, if you know.
2: Well, the the Portsmouth are now the only team left in the league who are unbeaten. After the game, Gary, I know you... you, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you may not be the biggest fan of Steve Evans. But after the game in his post-match interview, he seemed very... Uh, very, very adamant on telling everybody how under pressure Portsmouth are to win games this season and to get promoted. He made the point several times in his interview and said, basically, we're little old Stevenage. The pressure's all on them. They're a very good side, but there's so much pressure on them to win games, but it's not the same for us. Is there a hint of truth? in that? He, He basically said financially they need to go up. It's what Steve Evans said in in regards to Portsmouth. Is there is there truth in that, or is it just Steve Evans being Steve Evans? Oh,
1: Steve Evans talking about money. There's a surprise. Um, I, I'll be honest, Joe. I, actually, I shouldn't say this because it's, um, it's going to break uh, break kayfabe, so to speak. Um, but he's absolutely spot on. There's loads of pressure on Portsmouth this season. You know, new manager. He's made 13 signings. They are a big, big club at this level. Uh, you only look at Derby and Bolton as as probably mm-hmm. comparable. Um, so there's, there is a lot of pressure on Portsmouth, and at the moment they're probably just underperforming. There won't be any murmurings just yet because there's, you know, there's a, we're only five games in. But if they're still, you know, struggling to break down teams, did, did they draw nil nil with Cheltenham? Do I do I remember? I mean, not many teams. They did in
2: indeed. Yeah, it was the not only teams. game that Cheltenham drew. So when, when Wade Elliott said about keeping clean sheets, he has won.
1: Yeah, but he he did it well there, uh, and I know Portsmouth were, were a strong side in that. Um, and mm. and Steve Evans thought he's very clever, and again, it pains me to say that, um, but he's quite right. He's he fosters uh, a little old mentality. It's little old Stevenage. It's it's little old Boston. And the teams where he's actually struggled, the ones where he can't do that with Peterborough, where he couldn't quite get them promoted because they you know, he had the money with Mansfield when he had a big budget. As soon as it's you know little old Gillingham against Sunderland, he's in his element, and that's what he's really good at. But you look at. Stevenage aerial jewels in this division Aaron Presley is their centre forward and he is way out ahead of everybody else they're going to go long they're going to be hard they're going to be grizzly. there'll be more red cards in games against Stevenage he will moan about every single one um He's in his element there. He's at the perfect team for, for for Steve Evans, and you know, I love to hate him, but that's what football's about. You've got to have your pantomime villains. you've got to have your, your people that you hate. It's not all light, it's not all analytics, and he's got this win ratio and that win ratio. Sometimes you just don't like someone. I don't like Steve Evans, and it's because he keeps getting the job done at clubs that I don't like.
2: That's fair I, I you know what Gary, I completely appreciate the honesty. I mean, some people try and you see them all the time on, on in publication, they try and hide their, their little agendas. But just be honest. Just write an article, say, I hate this team and then explain and then explain why you think the manager should be sacked or their they're you know terrible we'll just say just to
1: clarify I, I, that came out a little bit wrong i don't particularly hate stevenage it's just yeah. when steve Evans goes into a club by proxy i dislike that club so stevenage fans i haven't got a lot against you i'll see you on the 18th <laughs> of november i'm coming down for my birthday uh i'll say hunt me out but i'll shave my beard off <laughs> you won't be able to spot me
2: <laughs> anyway guys we'll wrap up the podcast there gary what are your plans for the weekend
1: um, well, I've got another podcast to record after this. So, anyone interested in listening to more of my one-sided bile can get Stacy West podcast on Lincoln City. Uh, and other than that, an eye test because um, yeah, one of my we one of my clients at work is uh, Luxottica, and I've been writing about them that much. I've decided I want a pair of Oakley prescription sunglasses. <laughs> I'm gonna get an eye test. Rock and roll.
2: And Johnny, same question to you.
0: Uh, back to work as a nurse, mate, for the for the weekend. Looking uh, after the kids, so uh, all good, all good. Nice switch off from football, and uh, always a pleasure being on here.
2: Well, I, do you know what? Actually, sorry, just before we wrap up, I, I did the same last week. I asked what your plans for the weekend were on on you know quarter past one on a on a Sunday. <laughs> it's kind of like over, so I I need to remember not to do that next week. Anyway, to everyone listening at home, make sure to drop us a five-star rating if you enjoyed the podcast. It means the world to us. Tune in next Sunday once more as we dissect all the action from League One for your wonderful ears. Thank you all for listening, and goodbye for now.
0: Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
1: It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching your team on iFollow, you've got your McNugget share box on the go. And do you know what? Your mates already got booked for double dipping. But then late on you steal in, grab the last nugget and snatch all three points. Perfect. Why not order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app? Are you in? Help participate in restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply.
0: See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport Powered by fans.